Does anybody want to remember what happened January the 28th? January the 28th was the very first time I was here and the very first time I preached. On January the 28th, but... But on January the 28th, I started with this, that every what? Every soul matters. As a matter of fact, the Scripture tells us that a person's soul is worth more than all the world. I mean, if you put a scale out, if we brought a scale out, on one side we put your soul and who your soul is, and on the other side we put all of the wealth of the entire world on this side. Your soul as an individual would outweigh everything that is in this world. So I want you to know this morning, you matter to God. God's eyes are locked in on you, and your soul, who you are, is worth more than anything you'll ever look at. Just remember, you matter to God. And because we firmly believe that every soul matters, that's kind of been our target this year that we want each person in our county, all 550-something thousand people, and I was reading the newspaper where they said, so far this year, there's been, what, 6,800 new homes built in our county alone. I mean, God just keeps bringing a lot of people to our county that we can share the good news of Christ with, and we want every one of them to know that every soul matters. Because every soul matters, that's why we're we're reaching out into our community. That's why in August we went and did mission projects. One of those things, we went into our area nursing homes. And from our area nursing homes that day, God just keeps bringing us more and more ministry in nursing homes. We're going to be up to doing ministry in six different nursing homes. So basically, God is allowing us to start six new churches in these six nursing homes, and what a blessing that is. Can we give God a big hand about that? That's an awesome thing. But it's not about our story, but it's about His story, and He's the hero of the story. It's about Him changing us. But let me tell you, and I was telling Wednesday Night Crowd, uh, something happened a couple of weeks ago. Ron Neat came to me. I mean, it was on a Sunday night. We were uh, following up all the visits from the Fall Family Festival. Ron came in. He was just walking on cloud nine. I said, Ron, what's so exciting? He said, well, this afternoon in the nursing home, we're doing ministry. He said, "Can I, I've got some good news. There was a man who got saved today. He repented and got saved at the nursing home. Man, that's awesome. Well... Why are we there? Because last Sunday morning, that man who just weeks before accepted Christ, last Sunday he died. It's sad, but at the same time we can rejoice because just weeks before he died, he is forever changed. And you know what, First Baptist, that's what we're all about, about God empowering us to see other people's forever change. That's why last week you brought all kinds of toys. As a matter of fact, y'all brought overwhelming amount of toys. I mean, it was incredible. We had about 70 families this week that we provided all of their Christmas for them and for those families. What they did, they came. We 
they filled out some information. We've already gone through a big process with them. They went and picked out all their toys. They got some goodies and some snacks. And then they sat down with one of us as pastors, and we presented the gospel. And I've got some great news. We had quite a few accept Christ this last week. So, man, we, we celebrate that, and we're praying that we'll see a lot more. As a matter of fact, we need your help. If any of y'all are available from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock tomorrow, I I need two partners. We're doing what we're calling the Great Turkey Run of 2018. All of the families that we gave Christmas to, either Monday or Wednesday afternoon this week, we're going back and we're visiting every one of them in their homes, and we're taking them a turkey to tell them, man, have a great Christmas and here's your turkey. So, man, if any of y'all want to go with us, as pastors, we need your help the next couple of days on Wednesday or Monday this week. But praise the Lord for the lives that were changed. But y'all gave so many toys. Not only did we get to do those 70 families, you provided enough toys that we got to give 16 more foster children all of their Christmas this year. In addition to that, uh, not only all those 16 foster kids, you gave so many gifts. You gave us all of the birthday presents and everything that all 16 of those kids need for all of next year. I mean, not only did you give all of that, you gave enough kids that this week we're going to be, I think, at four Head Start programs that this week, and we're going to give a gift to all those children at four Head Start programs because you gave so many gifts last week. Can we give a God a hand? That's incredible. So, so I just want to say thank you for doing that. Here's the title today. Baby Announcement. When you announce a baby... Babies change everything. Babies put everything in the motion, don't they? Look at Isaiah chapter 7, and right next to verse 14, I want you to put baby announcement. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Just write somewhere in your notes there in your Bible, baby announcement. But how many of you ladies in the room, how many of y'all have ever received a baby announcement 700 years before the baby's born? I mean, most of the time, ladies, you want to, that when somebody's going to ask you to the baby shower or whatever, you know, you want two or three weeks of notice, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, however you are. Some of you plan out your schedules a long way. Some of you just kind of live how's it flows. But... But could you imagine announcing a baby 700 years? So right next to Isaiah 714, you're going to put baby announcement. Right next to that, I want you to put the number 700. This is 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Isaiah the prophet, we're in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah we call a major prophet. But we also have minor prophets. So some, somebody tell me, 
What is the difference when we look at the Old Testament and some are called major prophets and some are called minor prophets? Why are some called minor and some called major? Is it because the major prophets, what they were saying, had more importance than the minor prophets? I mean, was it the difference between the major leagues and the minor leagues in baseball? I mean, are the minor league, the minor guys, are they in single A ball? And the, I mean, these guys are the major prophets there. I mean, these guys are the making the millions of bucks, and these other guys are low total pole. No. When you study the Old Testament, major prophets, very simply, get this. Major prophets are called major prophets just because of the length of how long they are. Minor prophets are called minor prophets just because how short the book is. As a matter of fact, check real quick how many chapters are in the book of Isaiah. Look real quick, how many chapters are in Isaiah? How many? Y'all will remember this the rest of your life. You'll know it. How many books? I mean, how many chapters? Y'all can say it together. How many? There's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. Very simply, how many books are there in the Bible? 66. So you better never forget the rest of your life there's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. You never ever should ever forget that God called Isaiah out and he has given them a word for that day. Isaiah the prophet is telling them and and teaching them, hey, we're in sin and we got to get right for God. So he's giving them a word for the day. But not only is Isaiah giving them word for the day, but he's giving them a word for the future. He's giving them a word about a baby. A baby announcement. What does a baby do? A baby changes everything. A baby puts everybody into action and to move. I mean, from the time that you look at that little test and everything just lines up at that moment. I mean, ladies, I mean, for that moment, you start to celebrate. You start to get excited. I mean, you're going to have a baby. You go and show that husband, and the husband said, how are we going to ever afford this child? I mean, the husband figures it out. All right, what type of vehicle? I mean, when we kept having children, and I praise God for my four, if God allowed us to, we would have had a whole lot more children. Every time, okay, what type of vehicle do we have to have? What's it going to be in the house? How many beds we got to have? How many of this? How many of that? Oh, when I think about beds, I'm going to chase a rabbit for two seconds, but it's a very important rabbit. On Wednesday, I met with a family, and the mom said this. She said, you know what I really need? My child needs a bed. He sleeps on the floor. He said, my child, that we're getting Christmas, he said, um, he sleeps on the floor. So I, I just sat there. If one of y'all have an extra bed and mattress, a twin bed or mattress, if the Holy Spirit allows you to, will you donate it and so we can go and deliver it and that boy can have a bed to sleep on and not sleep on the floor every night? If one of y'all have that available and y'all feel like the Holy Spirit's leading you to do that, can we bless this family and bless that mom who's doing the best she can? And uh, let's, let's go. Do y'all agree? Can we get that boy a bed? Oh, come on. We can get that boy a bed, can't we? Uh, so somebody's got that to do that. 
But babies do change everything. You know one thing about babies? They change your sleep pattern in your house. I always tell parents before they have a child, whatever you do, sleep. You know, I, I, when those parents came up, come up to Amy and I, and they said, well, you know what? We brought our child home from the hospital, and they just slept the first night. They slept through the entire night. Our children never woke up. Can, can I just want to slap those parents? <laughs> I, I want to slap them. I mean, none of our four children ever slept through the night. I mean, Emily slept the best out of all of our four children. As a matter of fact, Amy finally took Matthew, the doctor, and said, Dr. Meredith, we have got a problem. And Dr. Meredith said, what is the problem? We said, Matthew is an allergic. What is he allergic? He is allergic to sleep. (laughs) He, He doesn't need any sleep at all. And the doctor said, well, some some babies just don't need a whole lot of sleep. Amy looked right back at the doctor and said, well, there's only a problem. He might not need any sleep, but I need some sleep. (laughs) Babies change a lot. When I think about babies, just to be a little personal so you can know our family and our story. Um, It was a long process for Amy and I to have children. Amy and I both had to go through several procedures and several different things so we could have children. It took us at least five, it was a five-year process for us to have John Robert. And I don't forget this moment. It was on Mother's Day. We were at First Baptist Alcoa. That's where I served outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. It was Mother's Day. Amy was in the choir loft that day. And I'll never forget, Amy cried the entire service. She Some of my friends had us over for lunch because it was a hard day. And some of y'all can really relate to this, and our hearts are broken for you guys that can't. Amy cried and cried and cried and cried. And and, uh, she had no idea on that Mother's Day she was already pregnant with John Robert at that moment. She had no idea. And when that little guy was born... I tell you, I was scared to death to hold a baby. I mean, y'all get, I mean, that's guy. I mean, I'm thinking, am I going to drop him? You know, what, what, what's going to happen? And they're going to actually put him, they're going to let me take this little guy home? I mean, what do we do? How does this happen? You know, you're kind of overwhelmed. Especially after praying for him for so long. But what an incredible baby announcement that we could say, hey, God's blessed us with four. Right in the middle of life. You always hear me, I believe in big families. I like big families. I like small families. But But look what happens in Isaiah chapter 7. Let's start in verse number 10. I want you to see this baby announcement. You got to understand the context of Isaiah chapter 7 in order to get the full meaning of this. What has happened in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah the prophet is going to King Ahaz. King Ahaz is the king of the southern tribe of Judah. And their enemy is all around. They're about to be attacked. They're, all of the enemy is around them. And Isaiah, the prophet, has got a word to give to King Ahaz. So in the middle of all of this noise, in the middle of this battle, in the middle of this turmoil, in the middle of all of this, an incredible baby announcement's going to happen. 
As a matter of fact, let's kind of review how this happens in Isaiah about King Ahaz. Remember, we had King Saul. From King Saul, we have King David. After King David, we have King what? King Solomon. So we have King Saul, King David, King Solomon. Something happened unique in history after King Solomon. After King Solomon, the 12 tribes, they divided into two groups of people. The 10 tribes that went to the north. The north tribe, those 10 uh, northern, that they never had a good king. Every single king that those 10 tribes had, they always had an evil king wicked king. Never good. They never followed God. They were distanced from God. As a matter of fact, as you read about the 10 northern tribes, you will see that they just disappear off the scene. But there's two. So we got 12, 10 went to the north. There's two in the south called Judah. Those two, they had some really evil kings, but they also had some really good kings. Good kings, evil kings, good kings, evil kings. And as a matter of fact, we will see, and you can keep tracking Judah all the way through. So now, here is Isaiah. He is prophesying to Judah. And they are about to be under attack. They're under attack. You've got all of this noise going on. And listen what Isaiah says to King Ahaz. Look at Isaiah 7, verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Verse 13. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Verse 14, in the middle of all of this noise, in the middle of all of this that is going on in life, here is going to be a baby announcement. In this a very unique place, as all of this is going on in Judah, as all of this is taking place, they're in battle, all this is taking place. You got the king, you got Isaiah. In the middle of all of this noise and stuff, I mean, all of a sudden, a profound prophetic word is going to be spoken. As a matter of fact, when you take the Old Testament and the New Testament, you cannot unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament. I put down a couple of statements about it. What the Old Testament predicts is going to happen, we see is present that takes place in the New Testament. We see in the Old Testament, there are great promises of God about the child that is going to come. In the New Testament, we see those promises are produced and we see that it happens. As a matter of fact, I, I love looking at it this way. As we look at all of the announcements of the, about the birth of Jesus, I, I want you to picture every time it was prophesied about the birth of Jesus, I, I want you to see it that it's kind of like a mountain peak. That when we see in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, does anybody know what was prophesied about Jesus in Micah 5, verse 2? Does anybody know? 
Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 tells us that Jesus Christ was going to be in Bethlehem. I mean, it gives us the direct detail that Jesus, in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. It's a beautiful picture that it stated in the Old Testament than we see it revealed in the New Testament. It's kind of like every time another baby announcement was given about Jesus, it was kind of like a mountain peak. And it's kind of like you can look through the Old Testament and you can look at all the announcements about Jesus Christ. And it's kind of like you can look from one mountain peak to the next mountain peak to the next mountain peak. And you can look at all the peaks of the mountain and all the peaks of the mountain. It is pointing us to the birth of Jesus. It is pointing us to the baby announcement. Can I tell you, the baby, when Jesus was born, it should have been no surprise because of all the mountain peaks of announcements that were said over and over again. But there's something unique between each mountain peak. There's always a valley. There's a waiting time. From announcement to announcements to announcement to waiting to waiting to waiting to waiting. Then all of a sudden there was no more waiting. God answered it. So look what Isaiah says. This is a mountain peak telling us. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 7 verse number 14. Then It's a good word. Therefore... The Lord himself will give you a sign. Mark that word sign. You hear me say it several times. The attention is not about the sign. The attention is where the sign is pointing us to. We are not going to worship the sign. The sign is just the directional point showing us the direction we need to look. Look what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It is kind of like that Isaiah is picking up a, a megaphone and I mean, just picking up that megaphone and he's crying out and said, hey, behold, there is a sign. There is a child that is coming. There is a hope that's coming. Thinking, not even realizing, it was going to be 700 years after this point. But it was in the middle of all the noise of life. So I have two questions to ask you and I'm done. Question number one, I want you to write this down. How big a role does Jesus have in your thoughts at Christmas? How big a role does Jesus have in your thoughts at Christmas? It is so easy to be for us, like in Isaiah chapter 7, it's so for easy for us to be on the battlefield. It's so easy for us to be doing life. It's so easy for us trying to run around and get everything together. It's so easy for us that all of the noise of life kind of drowns everything out. So how big a role are your thoughts about Jesus during this time? 
Let's read this again, Isaiah 7, 14. And I, I want you to write this in this text somewhere. This is such a good word. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Can, here's what I want you to get. Even though this is 700 years before Jesus was already, before he's going to be born. Jesus already had you on his mind. 700 years before Jesus was going to be born in this world, the lead, the glories they've had. I, I want you to look at this. This is worth the whole day. And Isaiah 7, 14, I want you to know that God's eyes and God's heart are locked on you. And I want you to know, you might not be thinking about him all the time, but I want you to know, you are on the mind of God. I don't know about you, but I like when somebody is thinking about me. Don't you? I mean, when Amy and I were dating all that time, and what a joy it was is we were dating and blessing. And Amy would come say, hey, Eric, you know, this afternoon I was thinking about you. You know, the next week, hey, Eric, I, I want you to know, hey, Eric, I'm thinking about you. You know, I never looked at Amy and said, whatever you do, stop thinking about me. <laughs> you know what I would say? Hey, Amy, think about me more. I want you to know, when Isaiah was prophesying this in Isaiah 7, 14, God had you on his mind. That's why I love the scripture in Psalms 139, probably my favorite psalm. And the psalm asked the question, God, how many thoughts do you have about me? And you know how the psalmist was answered. It, God said, I, hey, I have more thoughts about you than all the grains of sand in the entire world. Hey, let's walk down to the beach and let's go on that beach and let's Grab a handful of sand. Think how many grains of sand. I've got some great news for you. In Isaiah 7, 14, I've got some great news for you. The Isaiah chapter 9, I've got some great news for you. In Isaiah chapter 53, I've got some good news for you that Jesus Christ is thinking about you. He's got more thoughts about you than all the grains of the sand in the entire world world. Here's a, a prayer that I, I'm praying. Here's a prayer I'm going to, it'll come up on the screen about answering question number one. God was thinking about us, but are we thinking about him? Here's a prayer. Look at the next slide. Can you put up the next slide? Here's the prayer. Lord, Thank you for everything that Christmas means. Help the Christmas season spotlight your son rather than distraction from him. How many of y'all ever get, I, I get distracted. Help me to be thankful for every good thing that comes along with Jesus. But most of all, Thank you that through him you saved me and made abundant life possible. 
glory to you in the highest. In Isaiah 7, verse 14, Jesus was thinking about you. Here's the invitation. The invitation is, will you pray that you'll think about him? Because I will guarantee you one thing. He's thinking about you. Will you, in just a moment, join me for the invitation? And let this be your prayer. Thank you, Lord, for everything it means. Help me not be focused on the distractions, but focusing on you. Could you imagine in Isaiah 7, 14, all of this other stuff is going in the middle of it all. Hey, I'm going to make a baby announcement. In the first service, there's many that came and said, you know what? Not only is Jesus thinking about me, but I'm going to think about him. Because I tell you, Jesus, you have all hope. You can have all joy. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you're thinking about us. Thank you, Lord, as this is being prophesied about you, Jesus. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Thank you, Lord, that Isaiah 9 tells us, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will sh shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, I pray during this beautiful Christmas season, That we don't get distracted from the best part. But Lord, I pray instead of being distracted from the best part. Lord, I pray that we will think, meditate, and be attracted to the best part. Right now, as no one's moving, no one's looking around in this ring. I just want to ask you that question personally. How big a role does Jesus have in your thoughts at Christmas? I can tell you on God's side, he's thinking about you. On God's side, he loves you. On God's side, he wants to forgive you. On God's side, he wants to give you a joy. On God's side, he wants to give you a future and hope. So this morning, why don't you come and say, thank you, Lord, for thinking about me. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus for me. And Lord, this Christmas, I want to think about you. I mean, just a moment, we're going to stand. Pastor Ken's going to lead us. Some of you have been, it might have been, been more focused on a Christmas program and presents or whatever it is. Or maybe you just need to come and say, Lord, thank you for thinking about me. 
For some of you who've never trusted Jesus, why don't you come and get saved? Some of you, man, this is where God wants your church home to be. Why don't you come and be a member with us today? But for all of us, Jesus came with you on his mind. Let's don't get distracted from the best part. Lord, I, I pray that we'll never get distracted from the best part. Because, Lord, you're the best part. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand across this room this morning. I'm going to invite you. Let's stand. Ken's going to lead us. And as we stand, I want you to answer that question honestly. What role is Jesus having in my thought life at Christmas? Let's don't be like so many others and get distracted and we miss it. And the noise of life. Let's say, Lord, I want to I think about you because I guarantee you, he's thinking about you.